G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. The end is going to happen and I will return. In fact, the return of Jesus is mentioned 300 times in the New Testament, so it's a pretty big deal. Today with Jeff Vines. Welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. Glad to have you with me. Last time, Pastor Jeff started a message in the Awake series, a message based on Mark chapter 13, verse 23. It starts, So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Where we left off in our last episode, Pastor Jeff was really getting us to think about whether our lives had become so comfortable that we no longer wanted to watch for the coming of Christ. Are we on guard? Let's continue that message now and see what else Pastor Jeff has to unpack from it for us. Here on Today with Jeff Vines. So first of all, if you're watching, it will totally transform the way you look at society. You know, some people will say, "Uh, that's why I don't like you Christians. And I get this all the time. You guys, you don't care about the injustice in the world. You don't care about social injustice. You don't care about the planet. You don't care about the damage we're doing, wreaking havoc on our world. You don't care about any of those things because you're busy on a hill somewhere with your head in the sand waiting on the second coming. But don't you see? If you really understand what Jesus teaches, the opposite will be true because you'll know the endless summer is coming and now we are workers together with God to bring some form of that reality in the world now. We are responsible for this creation. We are responsible for how we use God's resources. We are responsible to fight against social injustice because that's the heart of God. That's our heart. So we're not distracted and we're not disassociated with the problems of the world. We are actively involved. That's why I always ask you, remember the famous quote by Andy Stanley, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Is there one person that you have in your life that you are lightening their burden? If you really are anticipating the eternal summer, there should be somebody in your life. You do for one what you wish you could do for everyone that you're lightening their burden. Okay, quickly, two, it will also totally transform your personal integrity. If you're a watcher, it will transform your personal integrity. You say, well, how so? Verse 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Now, two things are certain about the second coming. Number one, it's definitely going to happen. Number two, nobody knows when. Did you hear that? There's no way to predict it. 
I grow weary of modern-day prophets who keep telling us that the coming of Jesus is going to happen in our generation. Do you know how many prophets in every generation have said that? I truly hope so. I do, but I have no way of knowing. Do you know the money that has been made on this? The amount of books that have been sold from people who claim to know exactly when the second coming is going to happen because they figured out some code in Scripture? I am not sure how much clearer Jesus could have been. Verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So unless you're God, you don't know. We may not know when, but we do know with certainty he will come again. And this becomes a powerful force for personal integrity. How so? Because you know and believe that at any moment, the irresistible light could appear. C.S. Lewis, in a work called The World's Last Night, says this, precisely because we cannot predict the moment, we must be ready at all times. The century does not know at what time the enemy may attack. He does not know the time an officer might expect his post, so he must be awake at all times. Nor that we should live in fear that the end might happen at any moment. We should be like an 80-year-old man who needs not be constantly thinking about his approaching death, but he should always be taking it into account. It would be criminally foolish to neglect a will and a putting of his house in order. Now, what's he saying? On the one end, he says, if you're watching, you're not overwhelmed and possessed with, man, I could die tomorrow, I could die tomorrow. I've got a father-in-law who's visiting right now. They usually come from Christmas to Easter. And about the time of Easter, they're ready to go home. And I'm ready for them to go home in a way. (laughs) But my father-in-law is an amazing man. We we just got back from a trip, and my 81-year-old father-in-law, 81-year-old father-in-law was doing all these hikes. He was climbing ropes. He was going down cliffs. I was amazed. Get out in the water. He'd do crazy things. This is a man who enjoys life, and he doesn't worry about he might die. Even when he got COVID-19, and he did, and he did. Actually, he brought it to me, (laughs) just so you know. (laughs) But you can see the look in his eyes. Absolutely no fear. Hey, if I die, I die, but I'm going to beat this thing. Not afraid. No fear of death. If you know my father-in-law, there's not a fear of death. It's just not. In fact, he loves to joke about his own death. He says, you know, this could be my last trip to California. This could be my last game of golf. This could be my last ice cream. This could be my last argument with my wife. On the other hand, I see another thing in him. I see in his eyes that he lives as though he may die tomorrow. And what do you mean? Well, his house is in order. I've been watching him lately as he takes great care to communicate how much he loves his daughters, how much He values and cares deeply for his grandchildren, every single one of them. And I know that there must be times he wakes up in the middle of the night saying, have I left everything to my favorite son-in-law, Pastor Jeff? I know there are times. (laughs) The reality is, though, what death is to each person, the second coming, is to the entire human race. We must train ourselves to ask ourselves more and more often the things that we're doing and saying or not doing or not saying. How will they look when the irresistible light streams upon them? The light that is so different from this world that it will expose, it will reveal all things as they truly are. Hey, how would you respond if I told you, hey, next Sunday, Jesus is going to return? Now, the first thing you're going to say, well, you just told us nobody knows. Okay, forget that for a moment. If I told you, okay, somehow Jesus is going to return next Sunday, 
Some of you would say, I have so much I wanted to do, or I've not yet lived my life, but I'm going to Hawaii next week. Well, that tells me you don't understand the eternal summer. If you think any of those things could compare with what Christ is bringing, you don't get it yet. But there's a second category of people. People would say, you know what? I better repent. Man, he's coming next Sunday. I got to repent. I got to stop doing some of these things because I want to be sin-free by the time next Sunday walks around. (laughs) Good luck with that. Or you might say, I'm embarrassed. I got to make some changes. I'm embarrassed for Jesus to find me like this. Newsflash, he finds you like this already. Or I better ask this person to forgive me, or I better forgive this person. Jesus' point when he says watch is a simple one. You had better dress right now. We better dress ourselves now for the daylight of of the world that is to come, not the world that we're presently in, the irresistible light. And so how are you doing with that? Are you spiritually asleep or are you awake? In other words, the things that you have in your life, and I know you have them, how do I know that? Because they're in my life too. Are you still fighting them? You know, you, you may never have ultimate victory over them. Some things are so deep, it takes a lifetime. Unless Jesus decides in an instant to heal you, which I've seen that happen too. Those things in your life, that addiction to whatever it is, that struggle, that temptation, that situation, the sin is not necessarily in the fact that you've not conquered it yet. The sin is that you give up and you stop living like the irresistible light will ever come. You get to a point of refusing to resist temptation that darkness falls and you get to a point in your life you can no longer distinguish between what is dark and what is light because you've rationalized and convinced yourself that this is good. It can happen to anyone. And if you're in a posture of watching for the return of Christ, it will totally transform the way you look at society. It will totally transform the way you look at personal integrity because you will live with the reality that the irresistible light may appear at any time. Third and finally, it will impact your ability to make peace with people who've wronged you. Tim Keller, and I owe Tim Keller a lot. He's written a great book, King's Cross. Tim Keller says the doctrine of the second coming is perhaps the best counseling method to help people overcome bitterness. Wow, really the second coming? And then he goes on to say, because when somebody wrongs us, what do we do? We run immediately to the judgment seat and sit in it. Yes, God's the final judge, but we want judgment now. And aren't you frustrated at the terrible things that happen in our world right now without redress or payback? You know, listen, no matter how righteous you think you are, every human has a group of people they hate. Is that too strong? No. Everybody has a group of people they think, man, if you just go away, things will be so much better. We want justice now. And so we are tempted to get in the judgment seat. And I started thinking about revenge movies. They're number one sellers, man. We love revenge movies because we love payback because all of us have a few people we'd like to pay back. And I think with every punch and every act of retribution, every person in the theater lives vicariously through this hero of justice. And what we do, first we take the throne because we're certain we know what they deserve, and second, we want to help them get what they deserve, right? If God wants to use me as an instrument of justice, I mean, far be it for me to deny him service. 
Can I be honest with you? No, I want you to lie, Pastor Jeff. I had a few examples, but because of time, I can't share them all. But I will tell you this. There's nothing in me. I have not found anything in my own life or my own heart that is strong enough medicine to keep me from rushing to the throne, sitting in the seat of judgment, and enacting my will when someone betrays or slanders me. The only victories I have in my life is when I point back to the reality that I am not God and one day everything will be made right. That's the only sustaining power that I've found. Because the problem is, if I sit on the throne, I'm imperfect, which means I'm unqualified to hand out judgment. My judgments would be imperfect and seldom would they be merciful. You know one of the scariest verses in the Bible? Matthew 2, 7, Jesus said, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Oh my goodness. You mean the way I treat someone who's offended me is the way, oh, I would never want that. Only God has the knowledge essential to sit on the throne. That's the message. You know how I always talk about the 210 freeway? I, I don't know. I've just got, you know, everybody has pet peeves, right? Talking about a group of people that you wish would go away, angry drivers in Los Angeles. I mean, who do you think you are? We're all having to sit in this traffic. And when somebody just goes around you, cuts you off, almost rear ends you, tailgates you, just, there's a part of me. It's, it's a problem I have, and I'm, I'm trying to deal with it. I think I've got sort of an answer. As I wrote this sermon, I thought, man, maybe this is it. What if the person who just did that, what if his wife is pregnant and her water is just broken? What if he just got a phone call and his son has been arrested and he needs to go to the prison before he gets thrown in the slammer? What if he got a call from his father and his father's dying and they need him there immediately? See, I don't know what's going on in the guy who's driving like a maniac. What if I thought in those terms, how would I respond? What if it was a Sunday and he's late for church? <laughs> when my mother died, I had to get on a plane. I was in New Zealand. I had to get on a plane, Air New Zealand flight, fly all the way back, knowing that I was probably never going to get to speak to my mother or see my mother again. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the world is oblivious to my pain. And the stewardess comes up and says, you want beef or chicken? I say chicken. She brings me beef. And I looked at her and I remember saying, I said chicken. But the real problem wasn't beef or chicken. The real problem is that my mom just died and nobody seems to care. See, only God has the right, the knowledge, and the power to give people what they deserve. And the doctrine of the second coming means that one day, that's exactly what he's going to do. He will put things right. It will be put right by the one who has the authority, the knowledge, and the power to do it. So the doctrine of the second coming, number one, it's totally going to transform the way you look at society and culture, totally transform your personal integrity, and it will impact your ability to forgive those who have wronged you. But now here's the end of the message. When he says, watch, I think of Psalm 130. Oh Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? You know, Francis Schaeffer gives us this thought experiment. He says, Francis Schaeffer says, what if God gave you a tape recorder and the only time the red button comes on and it records is when you use the words you ought, okay? So you tell somebody, you ought to do this. You ought to live this way. As soon as you say you ought, red light comes on and record. God says to you this, 
I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to judge you by your own standards. I'm not going to judge you by the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to judge you by the Jesus precepts, just your own words. And then he plays the tape recorder. Francis Schaeffer says, there's not a single person who could stand. Now, can I show you this? Because this is the cool thing about this passage, but if we missed it, we missed everything. Look at the passage. Mark 13, but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. In Mark 15, 33, we read these words, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. In Matthew 24, a parallel passage to Mark 13 and 14, the earth shook, the Bible says. And then in Matthew 27, another parallel passage to where we are right now, says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Now, when did all this happen? This was a description of what? When Jesus died on the cross. Oh, now we see what Jesus is doing in the juxtaposition of the destruction of the temple and the foreshadowing of the days of Christ's return. All of that symbol and imagery I just used to describe the death on the cross, that looks an awful lot like Judgment Day, doesn't it? Because it was. It was. Judgment came down on Jesus. Are you saying there's not going to be a future judgment? Not at all. For the Christ follower, judgment day has occurred. Fifteen times in the New Testament, the second coming of Christ, which is the word parousia, means presence. And the idea is that the second coming, Jesus will bring the ultimate sunlight, spiritual and physical photosynthesis. What is dead will come alive. What is broken will be healed. Ultimate presence of God in the ultimate sanctuary of God. Ultimate life, ultimate love. But on the cross... Jesus did not experience infinite healing or infinite accessibility to the presence of God. Instead, what did he experience? Infinite separation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The absence of God. Why? Because he was experiencing the judgment of God on your behalf. That's the gospel. In his first coming, Jesus did not come to bring judgment. He came to take it. For you. In the first coming, Jesus gets the ramifications of judgment, absence, rejection, death, darkness, all the things we deserve so that we can get forgiveness, presence, acceptance, light, the life of God that he deserves. That's the gospel. That's why when people say to me, Pastor Jeff, you know, all religions are the same. What? The great judge of the universe was willing to be judged for us to leave the judgment seat and stand in the dock. That's why John, when he looked up to the throne of God in Revelation 5, did not see the lion but saw the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Really, all religions are the same? All religions work on this premise. I can work hard enough, do good deeds, make enough spiritual journeys, say enough prayers, and achieve a level of righteousness to stand with my head held high at judgment day. The Christian says, I could never stand in the judgment before this holy God. I could never pass on my own. But my judge was willing to leave his home, his throne, come to earth, and take my judgment for me. That's why some people, when they hear the gospel, it's that exciting to them. 
And that's why they pursue God and want to please God because of the forgiveness they've received. And they want to meet Jesus and they want to stand, having fought everything that is within them, to stand in the presence of God in the irresistible light, knowing they'll fall short. And grace and forgiveness is theirs. If you're truly awake, you will receive this Savior into your life and it will give you a passion for the second coming. It will encourage integrity in your private life. And it will grant you the ability to forgive others and doing all of that in the midst of an endless hope. Summer's coming. Watch. Father, thank you for uh, the power of your word and for your love for us. And I pray in Christ's name there would, there would be a time when we could open our eyes just now and realize this is different. The gospel is good news. It's good news because our God stood in the dock on our behalf. Our Savior came not to bring judgment, but to take it upon himself. That those who are guilty could go free. The one who was guiltless stood in our place. And we are thankful in Christ's name. And we watch and we wait for the eternal summer. And everyone said in Christ's name, amen. You're listening to Today with Jeff Vines. And that brings us to the end of this message. There was plenty in there to take in from Mark chapter 13, verse 23. Join me next time for more from Pastor Jeff. He's preaching on Mark chapter 14, where Jesus reveals to the disciples, one will betray me. Is that not what Jesus meant in Luke 8 when he said those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. What's he saying? You like the message of the gospel. You might even take it in, but it doesn't go down very deep. Why? Because when your life falls apart, you bolt. Thanks again for joining me. I look forward to your company next time on Today with Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.